everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today, I am in the studio with my friend, Mr. J.D. Rogers. What's up, everyone? J.D., we go way back. We do. We College station days. Yeah. Giga Maggie's. Giga Maggie's. Oop. You didn't go to AM. I didn't. You didn't. You know, SFA Lumberjacks. Axel. Axel. <laughs> it's in Nacogdoches. Those, those two people know. listening are like, she's mm-hmm. screaming in their cars yeah, right now. East Texas. Beast yep. Texas. And your style was really different then. It it was, but we don't have to talk about that. Oh, but I think we should. We could just continue to move on <laughs> with this conversation. <laughs> You're right. We're in Ephesians 6. Yes, we wait, are. You, wait, first we got to, where do you serve? I serve with the young adults team. Uh, we have a Tuesday night gathering called The Porch, and I serve as currently the creative director. But you started at Watermark in, in the, the Institute. Watermark Institute. On the, the production team. And, and how did yeah, this happen? I, you know, on God. But I would say, yeah, I was producing services. I was producing The Porch. And with that, had a lot of crossover and run-throughs and different things and we were studying David and David in the Bible the Bible first Samuel and then the porch was going through an Old Testament series and, and we were studying the Old Testament in the yeah. institute and at the same time it was time to do David for the series we were studying him and I was like yeah I'm studying David right now and then David Marvin the director of the porch was like want to teach next Tuesday and I was like, no, I've never preached a sermon in my life. <laughs> and then he was like, he's like, I think you can do it. And so I literally went from producing the service to preaching at it. And the rest has been history. They asked me to come on the team and serve. And I help a lot with worship and production and get to teach when David needs a break. Mitch is so fun to watch you do. And today's a Friday, the day this episode's coming out. So if you're a young adult and you're listening, come to the porch on Tuesday. Yes. JD will be there, yes. most likely. But today... We're in Ephesians 6. Yes. What you got for us? One of my favorite passages, Paul writing to the church of Ephesus. I love that the first three chapters, it's six chapters total, the first three, Paul is just reminding the church that we have to consider what Christ has done in us and for us before we jump to what he wants to do through us. And I think that's just somewhere really good to start is before he gets to our calling, he really just sits on just our character and who we are in Christ, our identity in Christ. And then he says, in light of this, in light of what God has pulled you out of, you know, you Gentiles, now you can be children of God. Because of his richness in mercy, you now have a way to live your life. You now have a conduct in which I'm going to call you to live by so you can walk more intimately with this Savior who saved you from your sin. And so we wrap up the book And Paul, he's speaking to children of how they should obey their parents. He's talking about how bond servants should should obey their masters and how husbands and wives should love one another. You know, Ephesians 5 is a classic. Just go to with weddings. I just got married, you know, three months ago. Shout out, Jenna. Love you if you're listening. But then he just ends with opening it back up. He kind of narrows in on all these different, you know, people in the church. Then he just says to the entire church, hey. The last thing I want to make you aware of is spiritual warfare, is your enemy. You have to make sure that when there's division, when there's animosity, when there's conflict, that it's something so much bigger than you that's going on. And honestly, Emma, I don't think that the church talks about spiritual warfare enough. Yeah, that's like in the Institute, we had to 
do that handle for it. And it was the war is real, real mm-hmm. the war is for you, and the war is won. But even the fact that we have to say the war is real. Yep. There's a quote that says, one of the greatest tactics of the enemy is to convince people that he doesn't exist. And I think that he does that in the church, which is why Paul starts off this part of Ephesians 6 by saying, hey, first thing you have to know is who your enemy is. Like first, once you've come to realize that the war is real, who is the enemy led by? And it's not flesh and blood. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Mm-hmm. He is your enemy. For we do not, continuing, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly places. And I think that you have to know your target. You have to know what you're fighting against. Because the enemy, the Bible says he's crafty in Genesis 3, he's crafty. And so what he does is he wants to convince you that your problem is else. He wants to convince you that he isn't real. And if you can attack and put your attention on all these other things in the world that you think is your problem, then you'll never actually go to war against your real enemy. Therefore, you'll never actually get out of the battle that you're in. And so, you know, here's what I always correlate this to. In John 17, the high priestly prayer, Jesus is praying right before he's crucified. It's this intimate moment we see that he prays for you and I today. He says, God, I pray not for just the ones walking with me today, but for those who will become believers in the days to come. And he's talking about you and I. And he says in John 17, my prayer is that they may be one as you and I are one so that the world will know that you have sent me. That tells me that Jesus is saying that, hey, the way that the gospel is going to advance is the unification of the church. If they are one, that's how the world will know that you sent me, the savior of the world. And so if I'm the enemy and I hear, okay, When the church is most unified, God will be most glorified. And my mission is to make sure that people do not experience the glory of God, but have an eternity in hell apart from God, then I'm going to go seek to divide what God wants to unify. I'm going to seek to divide, which the devil actually means Diablo, which means the divider. And so he is going to do everything he can to divide the church, to divide the believer. And he's going to go, if I can make her the problem, him the problem, my wife, my spouse, my kids, my, my boss, if I can make all these people the problem, then they'll never find the solution. The solution is unity. The solution is forgiveness, is grace and mercy that the gospel offers. And so Satan, he's going to do everything to convince you, one, that he's not real, and that two, that he's not your enemy, that everyone else is. Okay, so you're sitting with guys you're discipling. How are you helping them combat that? What questions are you asking them? Give us some practical, how do we fight this in real life? Yeah, one of the first things you do is whenever you feel the the tension of, I want to be mad at someone, I want to, you know, talk about someone, gossip about someone, if something in you flares up that kind of brings tension between you and another person, You have to first stop and go, what Paul says, wait, right now I am not wrestling against flesh and blood. That Jesus has called me to be unified with this person. So I have to pursue reconciliation, not division. I can't, whenever I feel my flesh is crying out to me to run from this person, I have to run to them. I have to run to the conversation. I have to run to like, hey, when you said this, it made me feel this. So you have to pursue reconciliation immediately. Don't wait. The longer you wait, the more your thoughts fester, the more buildup comes, and the thicker the wall gets between you and them. That's the harder you get to then take that chipper and chip longer and longer and longer because you let the wall build thicker, thicker, thicker over time. And so run to it, not from it. And the reason why we're able to do that as a reminder is because of the gospel. 
Paul said earlier in Ephesians 2 that Jesus Christ, even between Gentile and Jew now, has broken down the walls of hostility with Christ being the cornerstone. So now those who were far off have now been able to be brought near into the temple he's referring to. But now all of us, when we feel far off, when we feel distant, because Jesus came near to us, we now can draw near to others, even in the face of being wronged. I remind those guys, anytime you want to say, well, they wronged me, they wronged me. I'm like, well, you wronged God. And Jesus came to you so that now you can have the power, not by your own flesh, because you're right. They don't deserve it, but neither do I, and neither do you. And so because of what Jesus has done, that's the power the Holy Spirit now gives me that even though I'm so frustrated, I'm going to run towards them, not from them. And so there's obviously so much more that we can go into this, but you know, a lot of people say that there are six pieces in the armor of God, you know, I would say there's seven because Paul ends up after putting on all of the righteousness and the the shoes of peace and the belt of truth and the helmet of vision, all these different things, the shield of faith. After you put these on, remember one Christian, you got to wake up every day and put on the full armor of God. You can't wake up one day and go, today I'm going to choose the sword of the spirit, the sword of the spirit. But you know what? I'm going to operate in fear, not faith today. I'm going to keep my shield at home. You're going to lose the battle. Or today, I'm not going to choose righteous living. Or today, I'm not going to choose ultimate truth found in God's word. I'm going to kind of, you know, chase after feelings. You got to wake up every day because whichever armor you choose to not put on in the spirit that day, whichever piece you want to leave off, that's the part that the enemy is going to attack. So if you choose to not walk in righteousness that day, then he's going to offer you something through temptation to gratify the desires of the flesh. And so you got to choose righteousness. And so all those things are so intentional put on the full armor of God. And then lastly, he says to pray, to pray for one another. And we know that God says in Second Chronicles that if his people who are called by his name will humble themselves and pray and seek his face, he will hear them from heaven. He will forgive them of their sins. He will heal the land. And man, I think God is waiting for the church to pray, to be a people marked by prayer. Because when we hit our knees, this is cheesy, but I believe when the believer hits their knees, the enemy will flee. Like he will flee. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so, man, walk in the full armor of God, know who the proper enemy is, and then pray. Ask God to come and fight on your behalf because he will. That's all we've got time for. But JD, thank you. I think that's really helpful. Super practical. So grateful. And I am so glad we are on this journey together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.